This is missions week. I just got done upstairs. We do a little opening with the kids before we send them to classes. And so we did a, a Skype call with a, a missionary. And, and that always just changes my perspective when I think about our missions arm all over the world, touching and reaching and doing its, doing its job. That's, that's a huge part of what we do. That's a huge part of what we're about. And so this has been a great month of celebrating missions. And so I hope you're looking forward to this Sunday specifically when we really, really make a, a huge emphasis of it. I want to make sure and point out that there are some things at the Info Center that you can look to. Uh, I know we're going to be hosting several missionaries that day. And if you want to be a part of helping with that in the afternoon, uh, we've got some needs for that. And so if you could sign up at the Info Center, there's a sign-up sheet there to be able to host missionaries in the afternoon. And uh, looking forward to a great, great day. So... All right, we're going to look tonight at, at the Psalms. I love, I love the Psalms. I love the, the, the rawness of it because you, you, you see David and the other psalmist's heart just come through loud and clear in these Psalms. And sometimes as you read them, you can resonate with them. You can say, yeah. You know, when, when David was really fired up and mad and, you know, raining down curses on his enemies... You know, you're like, yeah, God, get them. I got some enemies you can get right now, you know. And then other times, you know, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, let me rejoice. When you're on top of the mountain and things are going great, the Psalms are, are just such great truths of Scripture that, that are written in poetic form, a lot of times song form, but they are, they are capturing the heart of praise and the heart of worship and admonition and of, and of pouring out your heart to God. So there's a lot that you can glean from the Psalms. If you struggle with reading different parts of the Bible. Sometimes maybe you get hung up and you, you feel like you've read for chapter after chapter and didn't really process anything. I, I'd encourage you to stick to the, the Psalms, the Proverbs, uh, the life of Christ, the Gospels, good stuff like that, because you're, you're, those are times that it's going to speak to you. You need the whole of God's Word. You need the entirety of it, but sometimes you need to focus a little bit, and Psalms are a great place to do that. We're going to be in Psalm 119 tonight. It's a, the longest chapter in the Bible, so we're not going to do the whole thing, and everybody said, amen. So, I mean, I could. So I remember one time, I, I preached the entire chapter of Proverbs one time, and uh, my my oldest, who's so gracious in his comments about me, not, uh, was like, Dad, you missed about 15 good opportunities to quit. So he's like, you, you, you missed a whole bunch of them. That was way too much scripture. Of course, you know, by that point, he was already at evangel and studying bible and you know of course aren't all of us the smartest people on the planet when we're 21 years old or whatever and we know everything and so i love getting advice from my kids it's great but uh my question for you is is how do you feel how do you respond to somebody when they you know are just like so excited and you know they're overjoyed and they're they're just bubbling over with blessings and and you know i've heard this phrase i'm just too blessed to be stressed you know and 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 you may be the type of person that's just kind and nice and you're just like oh, hallelujah brother i'm going to join you with that that's awesome you know i and and when i'm in a good mood and when things are going good i usually like those types of statements i'm like yeah me too too blessed to be stressed hallelujah but then when you're stressed and somebody says that how does that make you feel well, God likes you better than he does me, or why don't you just keep your joy to yourself? I'm tired of it. You know, we, we have a tendency to go off the deep end when somebody rubs us wrong, you know. And, and sometimes those types of statements have different reactions, but we're looking at the idea of stress busters tonight. We're looking at the concept of 
We live in a world full of stress. We live in a world where if you aren't stressed out now, give yourself a few moments and you could get there really quick because it's a fast-paced life. It's a busy life. We are constantly are submerged in a, in a world where there's opportunities for stress. And I like this. I, I was doing some research on stress, and uh, I found something out about the word stressed. If you spell it backwards, it's dessert. You know, isn't that just wonderful? You know, I, I am, I, you know, you can look at me and tell that guy hasn't missed a whole lot of meals, you know. Uh, but I, I love dessert. And when I am stressed, I typically, my default is to find ice cream, is to find chocolate, is to find something sweet. Carol said, amen. So, and, you know, cookies are a good stress reliever too. But, you know, stressed sometimes, we, we find a way to, to shove the stress away. We find a way to cope with it. We try to find something to deal with it to make ourselves feel better. And stress is something that we all face, and we all deal with it in different ways. But I like what um, a psychologist said. I, I like this quote. Uh, William James, he's known as the father of American psychology. So whether you agree with him or any other psychologist or not, I thought that was a good quote. He said, the greatest weapon against stress in our, is our ability to choose one thought over the other. I like that. I like that that puts some of the aspect of stress in our court. And a lot of times we do have a tendency to want to play the victim when life is bad, when things aren't going well. We want to we blame someone else for it. We want to push it off and say, well, I'm stressed or I'm upset because of that or because of them or because of this is what's happened in my life and blame games. Somebody else did it and now I'm paying for it. You know, it, it's easy to push it away, but it's, it is our choice to think about the thoughts that we want to think about. You ever think about that? You ever been in a bad place? You've ever been in a bad frame of mind and you just constantly revolve around negative, negative thoughts and, and the things that are stressing you out, the things that are wearing you out, that are weighing you down? And, and in those moments, you do have a tendency to just focus on the negative. We looked a little bit at this last week, and so this is a great piggyback on, on our, our, our idea of not worrying because a lot of times what we do worry about is the stress in our life. And so... As we look at this, I want to I challenge you from God's word to adjust your thinking and to not be led as much by your emotions, but be led by what God's word has to say. Do you know your emotions will get the best of you? Every Disney movie has the theme of it, that the princess follows her heart and joy and happiness follow and everything works out marvelous and it's great. And some people live the fairy tale life. Good for them. The rest of us can't stand them. And, and we don't, we don't want to hear their stories. We don't want to see their perfect posts and their perfect families on Facebook. But, you know, stress is a real part of life. Stress is something that's real. And, and our emotions will get us wrapped up and caught up in the ne- negativity and in that heat of the moment of that situation. But when we change our focus to God's word, which is true, we live in a culture and in a world that is looking all the time for a new standard of truth. You know that? You people that have young people living in your homes, you people that have grandchildren that you speak to on a regular basis, you need to realize that there is an an agenda against the younger generations of this world today that wants to teach them that truth is relative, that truth is, is whatever they want it to be. The truth can be came up with, and is what's okay for you may not be okay for you. That's what it, that's what the agenda of our media and of our culture is teaching. Everybody has the access to information, and everybody can determine for themselves what is true. 
But us as followers of Christ realize something different. We realize that God's word is indeed the only standard for absolute truth. Anything else that we look to is going to take us the wrong way. There's words that always stick out to me in scripture. And and the first one from the passage we're looking at tonight is rejoice. We looked at rejoicing last week. And so we're going to talk about it again. Psalm 119.61 says, Powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. Why, why does the psalmist have to go to the point of saying powerful? Because it, it, it's a real threat. It's a real situation. It's reminding us that, that it is real. It is the, the stress that we deal with, the problems that we deal with are because of real situations. If it was just something trivial, we wouldn't let it bother us. If it was just something minimal, we'd just get over it and move on and say, you know, it's going to be all right. I'm not going to worry about that. That's when we can say those statements, I'm just too blessed to be stressed. Well, it's because it's not a big deal. But when it's a big deal, when it's in your face, and when it's facing you day after day, week after week, month after month, that's a little harder to rejoice. Powerful situations. I, I like the verbiage there. It says harass. Have you ever felt harassed? You ever felt like no matter which way you turn, a situation just keeps getting worse? You ever been in that type of, of deal? That's, that's frustrating. And it seems like the harder you try to fix it, the worse it gets. Powerful people harass. They come after you without cause. Your heart, though, should only tremble at God's word. Because when you stand on God's word, when you stand on it for your life, when you hold it to be true in your life, you can have something that's unshakable. My heart should only tremble at that, it says. Verse 162 says, I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. Wow. I like what the Jeremiah Study Bible says. I love to look at commentary as I'm studying Scripture. You know, that, that may be something that you ought to do, uh, is, is get a good commentary Bible that you can look at. But the Jeremiah Study Bible says, then it follows that the Bible is inerrant. In other words, that the original manuscript contained no errors. When we believe that, when we stand on that, we can rejoice in God's Word like one who has discovered a great treasure. And if we, if we look to God's Word as a great treasure it's going to change our perspective. Now, I already mentioned my affinity for desserts earlier. Desserts are a great treasure, especially when it's a good dessert. Like, you know, there's, I guess there's nothing horrendously wrong with like store-bought hy cookies. Those are okay. But when somebody makes homemade, oh, from scratch, chocolate chip cookies and throw some pecans and stuff in there, Glory be to God. That's worth rejoicing over. That, you know, that's something that I get excited about. That's something that, you know, a glass of milk is calling. Are you the type of people that dunk your cookies in milk? You probably look at me like I'm, you know, an uncircumcised Philistine for doing things like that. But that, that, that brings joy to my heart. That is something that makes me excited. That's something that gets me going. And that is a great treasure to me on a bad day. But what is great treasure to you? What is it that really brings joy to your face. You know, think about it for a minute. What is it that lights your eyes up? What is it that you think about that always puts a smile on your face? Maybe it's a grandbaby. I used to think grandparents were crazy and all that they talked about, all they were talking about is their grandchildren. Blah, 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 blah. It's the real thing. It is for real. Grandparenting is the best. And mine is the cutest. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. You guys all have cute grandchildren, but mine is the cutest. There's, there's, I got the mic, so I know no arguing there. But, um, you know, what is it that 
makes you feel like you've discovered great treasure. The more that I've read God's word, the more that I've, I've, I've really just sunk myself in making it a habit, making it a priority to me, the more I have seen it as great treasure. I, I've, I've said many times about how thankful I am for a dad that encouraged me to read the Bible regularly, that encouraged me to, to put, put a pattern together, whether it was reading through the one-year Bible like he did or getting a Bible reading plan and, and, and reading Scripture and making it a part of my daily routine. I don't always remember. I can't, I can't tell you what I read last Tuesday and what the passage was, but I guarantee it did me some good. And there have been so many days that whatever passage of Scripture that I read, it spoke to me. It spoke life into my situation. It spoke, spoke peace to me. It spoke conviction to me. You ever been in, in a bad place mentally and, and God's Word stepped on your toes and you're like, ooh, yeah, sorry, God. Thank you for that warning. You know, when we realize that it is great treasure, then we're going to be able to follow through on the, the, the next verse, verse 163. It says, I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. The only way, though, we're going to know God's instructions is if we have spent time pouring over them, putting our heart and soul into it. Look at uh, verses 4 through 6 earlier in chapter 119. It says, you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. I know there's lots of parents in this room, there's grandparents in this room, and, and we've all at one point or another used rewards and consequences with children because it works. The, the, the timeless truth of rewards and consequences still works, you know, and it works with adults too. Did you realize that? Yes, it does. Unfortunately, we don't like to learn those lessons, but it works. But when, when we really truly look at God's word as great treasure, Look at it that when we put the time and effort into making it part of our daily life, that it's going to do something for us that's going to change us from the inside out. It's going to help us have the ability to literally rejoice no matter what situation transpires. We looked at that passage last week about rejoicing as well. And the principle I want you to take away from this is that the ability to rejoice depends on what the source of our joy is. The source of our joy is people you're going to have a rough time always rejoicing. The source of your joy is your job. Guess what? That could be gone tomorrow. The source of your joy is your car. You know, it's material things. It's something that this world has to offer. I'm not saying that those things are bad, but if that's the source, if that's what your joy is wrapped up in, rather than following God's word, you're going to have days when you are going to be up and down, and up, and down, and we need to be able to be consistent in rejoicing. Second word is regulations. Now, how many of you are just the type of people that you love to keep the rules, and you love to enforce the rules? I, I've, I've been around a lot of people in my life. Joyce is, yes, I agree, Joyce. You're a rule enforcer. <laughs> you're a good rule enforcer, but um, I've been around a lot of people in my life that they are just sticklers, and it's like they stay up at night looking for ways to catch people breaking the rules. Maybe you're one of those people. God bless you. We need you in this world because you keep the rest of us accountable and you, you keep us on our toes. But regulations are something that I think to a certain extent we all have a little bit of a negative connotation like, Ugh, don't give me the regulations. I just want to do it my own way. 
You know, we, we do live in a culture that champions and celebrates everybody doing it their own way, but God's regulations are something that we've got to take to heart. Look at what it says. It says, I will praise you in verse 164, seven times a day because all of your regulations are just. Something else that I uh, was challenged to do early in life that I'm thankful for is to, to try to make God a part of my daily thought process more than just morning prayers, evening prayers, you know, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food by his hands, we are fed, thank you God for daily bread, amen, you know, and you say it so fast, it's done and it's over with. I, I, I was challenged to have conversation with God throughout the day, to when things are going well, to just under my breath, thank you God, you know, and you can do that in your mind, you can do that under your breath, and you can do it anywhere. You know, the, the most interesting times where I found to do that, one of the favorite things that I had, well, I guess I should say favorites, there were goods and bad times with it, but working up the ranks in Quitrip, you know, obviously when you're managing stores, you're, a part of your time is running the cash register. Anybody ever shopped at a Quitrip? Yeah, you probably all have. They're fast. They're lighting. They just boom, 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 boom. They go in and out, and, and it's a fast-paced deal. And occasionally you'll get somebody that will walk in, and you can just tell by the look on their face and their countenance that they, it's, it's just like they, their whole mission in life is to slow the line down. They want to buy 500 lottery tickets and they want to scratch them right there. And they want to, they want to get a receipt from 15 weeks ago. And, and, you know, and those people were, were wonderful, glorious souls. You may have been one of them. I don't know. I worked lots of stores around this area back in the day. So you may have been one of those wonderful customers that at, at a point in the day when it was just crazy, the store was just full of people tripping all over the place. Somebody wants your undivided attention and they want it and they want everything to stop because of them. And I remember in those moments just praying, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what can I thank you for? I'm not thanking you for this lady right now. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's, there's something else, you know. And, 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 and there were times that I was, you know, there were words that were not sermon material that were told to me because they didn't like what I did or what I said. You know, of course, it's always the person working the cash register's fault when the gas pumps don't work. Did you know that? Go in and yell at him immediately, if not sooner. Hey, you idiot, what's the matter with you? The gas pump's not working. Well, it's because he stayed up all night long planning how to ruin your day. You know, and so those moments, rejoicing is not something that's easy. But when you look at it this way, when you say, I will praise you seven times a day. I used to think to myself, in in bad days, okay, I'm just going to keep praising you, God. I'm just going to keep thanking you, God. And I've learned over the course of my life that when you thank God in the midst of bad, God likes that. He, he, he likes it. And, you know, here's another clue. Mean it. Because if you're, if you're just giving God lip service, I got news for you. He, he knows what you're thinking. He knows the motives of your heart. But when he sees you truly just being able to gain perspective at the drop of a hat, because God's word is in you, because God's word has penetrated your heart, it's changed you, and you've heard scriptures like this, and you're putting them to practice. I'm going to praise you seven times a day because of your regulations are just. God, even though right now life is not just, even though life stinks, even though what I'm going through is overwhelming me, even though right now I am stressed, even though I have no foresight to see how I can get out of the mess that I'm in, I'm going to praise you seven times a day. Because your regulations are just. 
and verse 165 is really kind of the linchpin of this passage. It's really the, the, the key passage in really this whole chapter. And it says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. I memorized this passage as a young boy. My dad used to pay me to memorize scripture. Say, is that good? Well, it worked. So whether it's good or not, it worked. And uh, he he didn't have a whole lot of dollars to spare, but he knew that it was worth a dollar to to get his kids to memorize scripture. Wow, that's just terrible. Well, take it up with Roy Speckett when you get to heaven. You can talk to him about it then. But uh, it seemed to work for his kids and his grandkids. But I remember memorizing the scripture as a young boy. And I memorized it in the KJV because, of course, that's the only version that anybody's supposed to read back in the 1980s. And some of you may still be, oh, just can't believe. I love having that conversation, side note. When, when people get all fired up about versions of the Bible, I'm like, oh, all right, cool. We're going to have a fun conversation. So I just usually just jump right on there with them. Well, just tell me all about why it's not. And then I pull out the Bible and I look at this, you know, but I just keep my smile on my face. And I rejoice seven times as I talk about it. But uh, verse 165 says in the KJV, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know, we live in a culture today that People get offended. People get offended about being offended. Anybody on social media in here? Social media has changed our culture because it gave everybody a voice. Anybody and everybody can get on there and 500 people can like what they have to say. And I don't think much of opinions have really changed, but now all of these obscure people that nobody else would listen to before have a platform and have a voice. And I here I am to save the day and to tell you all what I think. And man, I'm telling you, people are offended about everything. And you know what God's word says about that? Great peace have they who love thy law and nothing. You, did you get it? Nothing shall offend them. I've, I've been around a lot of people that have just impressed me in my life. And the people that I'm the most impressed with are people that just have learned to bite their tongue and have learned to be able to just keep on smiling and keep on going and not necessarily have to share how they feel about everything. Because we all are entitled to our opinion. And those that are closest to you know your opinion, just in case you're wondering. Have you ever been told this statement? You've already told me that. I love it. My wife has begun, you know, we're getting, January will be 25 years of wedded bliss for us. She needs a, an award for that. So make her a plaque or something. You survived marrying John, so good job. But she, she can finish my sentences in a lot of ways now, and she knows what I'm going to say before I say it because she's been hanging around me long enough. And so she could answer, you know, what I get offended about because she's close to me. Everybody shouldn't know that. And you really, to be honest with you, the less we talk about what we're offended and the more we just focus on God, I think the world would be a better place. I think if everybody that was offended about everything put an emphasis on what Christ said is the simple commandment, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others. People are going to offend you but they still matter to God. They're still a soul that God wants to redeem. And 
when we look at people as the enemy, when we look at people as the object of that, we forget our perspective. Those who love your instruction, it says, have great peace and do not stumble. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be able to go through a stressful situation in my life and not collapse. You ever, you ever wished you could eat your words back? You ever said something and thought, man, I wish I could have that back. A lot of times people will give you grace and they'll forgive you, but have you ever burned a bridge with some words? That hurts, doesn't it? And man, you wish you could have those words back. Great peace have they who love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's a verse that you can take to the bank. That's a verse that you can stand on. When you are in stressful situations, how much of God's word is coming out of you? I, lo- I love to show this type of an object lesson to, to kids where I you know, would fill a, a jug you know, with water because, or something disgusting if you want to really make it a good object lesson. But you put some in there and you, you jiggle it and I say, what happened? Well, what was inside came out because you shook it. Well, it's the same thing with us. What we put in ourselves when we're shaken, when we're stressed, when we go through difficulties is what comes out. And if we are full of God's law, if we are full of God's regulations, if we are full of that, we're going to be able to rejoice in trials. Isaiah 26.3 is a good verse that goes along with this. It says, you will keep perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The quote that I read earlier from William James, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. The stress that you're facing is real. The situations that you're going through stink. The things that cause stress in your life may still be there tomorrow, no matter how good your attitude is when you wake up. But you have a choice to think about the negative or to think about the positive. Principle I want you to pull away from that is that focusing on God's regulations keeps our thoughts in the right place. I I need God's word daily because I need a reboot. I need my mind readjusted and reconditioned. We live in a culture that's constantly conditioning our mind and constantly pulling us in the way of what the enemy of our soul wants us to think and to dwell on and, and to focus on. But when our focus shifts to focusing on God's word, that is going to keep our thoughts in the right place. Last word is rescue. Now, when you are stressed, who likes it when you're rescued? You know, you may be the type that doesn't want help and I can fix it all myself. I've just learned a long time ago, you know what, there's stuff I can't fix myself. And there's times I need God. Um, God responds to brokenness. Do you know that? He responds to humility. He responds to you owning up to the fact that you don't have it all figured out. You know, the world that we live in champions that. You know, and a lot of times in, 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 the, in the society and in the work, work world, it's whoever demonstrates flawlessness, whoever demonstrates, you know, the ability to always have the right answer. You know, I understand that, but I also understand that God knows anyway what we're thinking. He knows all of what's going on in the inside. And when we try to put on that false front that we've got it all figured out, we're missing out on something. We're, we're limiting him coming to the rescue in our lives. Look at verse 166. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your commands. Now, I, 
I've been around this church deal long enough to have heard some sermons that made me cringe, and you all probably have too. And I've heard people that as soon as something's bad in somebody's life, somebody's sick, somebody's, you know, had an accident, something's going on, oh, brother so-and-so, there must be sin in your life, you know. You must, you need to get down to the altar and repent right now. You know, I and you've probably heard them too. And, you know, that just irks me. You know, that, that just rattles my skin because it automatically has that pharisaical mindset that the Pharisees did at, at Jesus that, that all of how it all works is when you, there's bad in your life, it's because you have caused it. You have sinned. You have done something wrong. The natural order of life as we know it since the fall of mankind, which as far as I can tell happened before all of us were born. And if you want to blame Adam, if nobody had eaten the fruit, you'd have probably been the one to do it. If everybody, billions of people had gone and passed that tree and said, nope, I'm not going to eat the fruit, I'd have, I'd have probably done it. I'd have been like, somebody's got to do this. You know, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have been, the, it, instead of Adam, it had been John. Been John and Alicia. You know, everybody know their names. <laughs> not too many Eves out there, you know. You notice that? <laughs> Definitely not very many Jezebels. You ever met a little girl named Jezebel? All right, and we're back. Here we go. But um, rescue, you know, we, we long for God's rescue, but a lot of times there is an element of that. You know, a lot of times when, when someone is saying things like that, there there is an element of their motives or are saying, okay, you need to be reflective. You need to look in, internal. But how many of you know that bad things do happen to good people? Because bad people have a free will to make bad choices, and sometimes good people are the recipient of that. That's just it. That's just part of it. But when things happen in our lives that are negative, I've always started with a simple process to saying, okay, God, is there something in my life that I'm missing? There may not be. It, it may not because I've horrendously sinned and offended God, and because of that, all of this crisis is happening in my life. But when things aren't going the way they should, you see a scripture like this that says, I long for your rescue, so I have obeyed your commands. When you are in the place of, of needing God to rescue you, when you're in the place of stress, when you're in the place of things not working out, the way that you know they should because you know God's word. You know God's will. You know that, that what you're asking God for is not contrary to his will. You know you're praying according to his will and saying, God, I'm trusting you for this. When things are still not adding up, that's when you need to look at your life and say, God, what are you saying to me? What am I missing? I, I was talking to somebody recently and I said, a lot of times it's not even necessarily sin that hinders us from hearing the voice of God. It's our routine. It's the busyness of life. How many of you know that most weeks you walk into church, the order is going to be pretty much the same. They're going to, you're going to walk in, they're going to sing a song, they're going to shake hands, they're going to take the offering, they're going to do the announcements, they're going to sing some more songs, the preacher's going to get up and preach, they're going to do an altar call, 5,000 people are going to get saved, they're going to take another offering, you know, whatever. They're going to, they're, the routine is normal. Most of your lives, routine pretty normal you know you get up you do the same stuff we're creatures of habit do you know what else we are creatures of spiritual habit 
we do things the same way we've always done them. Well, I, this worked for me in the past, God, so I'm going to do it again. Well, this is how I saw you show up and handle this situation, so obviously you're going to show up and handle it the same way. When you're constantly in tune with God and you're constantly in his word, when you're constantly seeking him and his advice, did you know that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable? You can't put him in a box. I, I love looking at the accounts of, of healing. Where, where Jesus, look, look how many different ways Jesus healed people. I think the mud in the eyes thing and the spit, I think that's just to throw you off. That's like, yeah, just the second you think that you've got it figured out, Frank, just spit in your eye and <laughs> do that. I mean, he's going to throw you off. He's going to zigzag. He's gonna, he wants you to follow him. And sometimes our routine, though it may not be sinful, causes us to miss God causes us to miss listening to the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit that said, yeah, you've done it this way and it's worked and it's not necessarily bad, but why don't you look at it this way? You know, God's word will do that for you. When you're reading God's word daily, when you're making it a part of your your daily life, when you're introspective, something that we all kind of struggle with is being self-aware of our own flaws. Just ask somebody. Ask, you know, Tell me what your biggest flaw is. Well, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, we, we don't like that. But when we think about and we're asking God, I long for your rescue. I've obeyed your commands, God. I've obeyed your laws. See the repetition here? For I love them very much. When our priority becomes that, it's going to keep our focus in the right place. Verse 168 says, yes, I obey your commandments and laws because I, you know everything I do. I love passages of scripture like this because it reminds us that he's ever-present, that he is always there, he's always watching, he's always with us. Proverbs chapter 5, passage that goes along great with this, verses 21, 22 says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. Sometimes it is something in our life that needs to be adjusted. Sometimes it is something in our life that needs to be changed. Sometimes we've gotten so conditioned to doing something that it isn't necessarily sin, but we're just not sensitive to the Lord's leading. And we are missing out on being rescued because we are stuck in our own pattern. And we are stuck doing it our way, ultimately, instead of doing it God's way. principle to pull away is that to be in a Position to be rescued requires our obedience. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that when bad things are happening in your life and when stress is going on in your life, it's because you're a filthy, heathen sinner and you need to fix everything. I'm saying that when things are rough in your life, take a look internal. Don't blame someone else. Say, God, what do I need to change? When I've been at the most frustrated points with an individual, I began to pray, God, I'm frustrated about this, but obviously there's something in me that needs to change. Obviously there's something in how I am involved in this process and in this communication and this dysfunction Help me to figure out what I can change. Because have you figured out yet that you can't change people? But you can change yourself and you can focus your thoughts on the right things. You know, as, as I look at Hebrews 4.16, this is a, a verse that really rings true as you look at this. Let us come boldly 
to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Stress in our lives is a part of it. Stress in our lives is, is something that is definitely a factor. But when we look at our lives and we look at where our focus is, we've got to say, is my focus on the cares of this life? Is my joy brought on by the cares of the, the, the things that this world has to offer or is it brought on by God's word? There's been times when I've been convicted that, man, I'm not in God's word enough. I'm not relishing in God's word like I need to be. You ever, you, can you all think back to a, a time when it was just like you and God were like that? You just were, it's like you were turning on music the second you woke up. You were in his word. You were just, it was just like it was just oozing out of you. How many of you remember a time in your life like that? I want that to be tomorrow. I want that to be yesterday. But it requires us putting in the time. If our focus is on our stress, it's going to stay there. Is stress real? Yep. Are the situations that cause stress real? Yes. But if our focus stays on God's word, that's what's going to do it. I want to challenge you to memorize one verse out of this passage, 165. 119, 165. Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's the KJV. You can learn it in whatever version you want. But I will never forget that passage of Scripture. Whatever age it was when I memorized it, I don't know. My dad knew I needed to learn lots of scriptures at about 11, 12, 13. And so it was probably around that range. Probably the price went up for scriptures at that point because he knew that heathen needs Jesus. He needs some scriptures. But great peace have they who love thy law. Love thy law and nothing shall offend them. What if, Crown Point Church, if we were people that constantly chose to refuse to be offended? What if? What would our lives look like? What would our family dynamics look like? What would our church look like? What would the people that we work with, how would they react by seeing that person's not going to get offended? They're going to stay even keel. They're going to stay steady. They're going to have a bearing about them that's just different. And it's because of God's word in your life. Let's pray. God, I pray tonight that, that this challenge, Lord, of your word being treasure to us, your word being absolutely life and vital to us, that we take to heart. God, it's, it is busy in the society that we live in, Lord. We're, we're all at different stages of life. Some of us are raising little kids. Some of us are raising grandkids. Some of us are, you know, busy working two or three jobs. We've all got different seasons and settings in life, but God, I thank you that your word is true and that no matter what setting in life we're in, we can treasure your word. We can absolutely begin to, to, to put it as the priority of what we put our focus on. God, I pray that, that tomorrow we, we change the course of our focus when it comes to stress. God, I, I just pray right now for, for situations that are, are very real in the lives of everybody that's here tonight, God. Lord, I pray that, that the stress that they are facing, God, I pray against it. Lord, I pray for circumstances and situations that are coming against people, that, that you just diffuse that, that you give them favor, Lord, in those situations so that, so that things change. But God, I pray that their focus tomorrow is not on the stress, 
but it's on you. It's on your word. Let that, let that be their mantra. Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. God, I pray that we can truly be that people that are not offended and that we keep our focus on you. Lord, bless us as we go. Lord, I pray for every other part of the building tonight, Lord, that your blessings would be on all of the students that are here tonight. We just thank you for all of them as they fill up this campus on Wednesday nights, that that they would go home and take your love and your light with them. Bring us all back Sunday for a great celebration of missions as we champion and celebrate what our missions arm is doing all over the world. Just pray for your blessings in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of the week. See you Sunday. And if you have anything you need to pray about, come see me.